land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me. And walk. It isn't. Yahweh has not been by the side of Israel. Israelites are Yehudim for more than 2,500 years. They should, they should be. They're not. Not his. Promoting this program uh, this evening in Israel were a terrible tragedy has occurred. The worst of the tragedy is uh, not that seven innocent lives, young and old, men and women, unarmed, uh, were uh, leaving uh, a synagogue on uh, the eve of the Shabbat. The worst of it isn't even that a, uh, a young Muslim man masquerading under the myth of, uh, of being a uh, Philistine, shot them in cold blood. The worst of it is, is what the Muslims are doing throughout Israel, which is celebrating, dancing in the streets, shouting, handing out candy. They are not worthy of living. Not in Israel, not anywhere. What they are doing is revealing the revolting nature of their religion. I don't think there's anyone in the world that is more expert on this subject than I am. I uh, met with Al-Qaeda, Islamic Jihad, Martyrs Brigade, Hamas, right after 9-11 probably the only American to have done so and survived the experience. I wrote a book about it called Tea with Terrace. Over the next two years, I wrote the most comprehensive analysis of the Quran heretofore written, where I took the Islamic hadith, particularly the two 
chronological presentations of the Hadith, one by Ibn Ishaq, which is the uh, life of the messenger of Allah, called the Sirah. The other by Tabari, who uh, composed the first history of uh, Islam's formation. And I use those two early chronological accounts, the earliest, actually, uh, witnesses to Muhammad's life and death, to rearrange the Quran chronologically and set what is a jumbled mess into the context of Muhammad's disgusting life. And what we learn when we do that, and it's all available for you at Prophet of Doom, the entire book is available online and for free. What we learn when we set the Quran into the context of Muhammad's repulsive life, in chronological order, using the two earliest historic Islamic sources, without which there would be no religion of Islam, that Muhammad was a pedophile, that he was a rapist, that he was a mass murderer, he was a ruthless terrorist, he was an avowed liar, he was a sadist, misogynist. If a contest were held and the judges were fair and the information available, Muhammad would likely win the contest of worst human being who ever lived. Now, there would be some contenders. Hadrian would be in that list. Paul, the founder of the Christian religion, would be in that list. Tamerlane would probably be in that list. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong. But I think it would be hard for anyone to surpass Muhammad, when it comes to despicable, because he clicked on all cylinders. And once one comes to know that the Quran claims that a Muslim ceases to be a Muslim if they're not a murderous jihadist, and that good jihadist Muslims are ordered, according to the Quran and Allah, to go off and kill peaceful Muslims, you would know, as I know, that there is no way of negotiating. There is no peace. There is no truce. There is no two-state solution. Those who believe the Quran and Allah and Muhammad aren't fit to live around anyone. They can't even live among themselves. It's time we realize that there is no such thing as a Palestinian. There is no such place as Palestine. It does not exist. They do not exist. It's a marketing myth that was perpetrated by Hadrian after being a savage. ransacking the land of Judea, crucifying Jews, destroying what Vespasian and Titus had not already pummeled. And after he 
subjugated what was left of Judea and pulled Jews into slavery and uh, diaspora. He thought, we're not going to call this the province of Judea anymore, named after Yaud, Yauda, Yaudem in the plural. No. He tortured enough rabbis to get them to say that the archenemy of uh, the Jews were called the Philistines. So he came up with the idea, why don't we just rename the place Philistia? And because scholars know many things and understand nothing, particularly in Europe where they were ridiculously anti-Semitic, they parroted the stupidity, as it were true. The fact is that the Assyrians obliterated the Philistines. You know, under Dode David, they were uh, humbled because they were ruthless under when Saul was the first king of Israel. And Dode fought them back into uh, to Gaza. And after that time, there was peace because they were bludgeoned. They were vicious. And they were put in their place. He was the ultimate defender of Yisrael. But after that time, the Assyrians found that they didn't like them very much. And on their way to conquer Egypt, which they did, they annihilated the what was left of the Philistines. There allegedly was a town, one group of survivors that would have identified with the Philistines that uh, was left in about 332, 333 BCE uh, after uh, Alexander the Great had uh, finally um, conquered Tyre. And he didn't like them very much. And he killed them. There has not been a Philistine for between 1,300 and 1,500 years. And the reason I say between that time is that those that wrote the history of Alexander did so about 500 years after his death. And they were as much propagandists as uh, anything else. So what we claim to know about Alexander is usually highly exaggerated, and it is likely that the last of the Philistines were wiped out closer to 700 BCE, so there hasn't been a Philistine for 2,700 years. So those who are running around claiming that they are a Palestinian, those who write in the media that they are Palestinians, are lying. It is not true. There is no such thing. If you can't make your case based upon the truth, you have no case. There is no such thing as a Philistine. There is no such thing as Palestine. There is no two-state solution. 
one cannot negotiate with a terrorist cult, which is what Islam is. If you don't like me saying that, then why don't you read Prophet of Doom? Why don't you put the Quran in chronological order, set it into the context of Muhammad's life, based upon the Tarek, the body, and the Sirah from Ibn Ishaq? And you prove me wrong. Not a single Muslim has been able to find a fault in the book. And in fact, it's impossible to prove Prophet of Doom incorrect in its assessment because it only uses the oldest Islamic sources, period. If those oldest Islamic sources are untrue, Islam is untrue, doesn't even have a reason to exist. And let's be clear. There is no God called Allah. In the Quran, the Nankam book, the poop that wrote that book, and it is easily among the top worst books ever written. I mean, it is embarrassingly stupid. Most of it is plagiarized. The earliest revealed surahs are plagiarized from the Hanifs, which is a Jewish community in Yemen. And the last two-thirds of the surahs, those revealed in Yathrib, today's Medina, are all based on bastardizations of citations from the Babylonian Talmud, which Muhammad goofed up. It has no legitimacy. It is a religion for absolute idiots. And so it's time for the world to face the fact that the reason the Muslims throughout Israel are celebrating and handing out candy because a fellow Muslim murdered in cold blood unarmed Jewish women and children is because their religion has corrupted them beyond hope. You cannot reason with them. You cannot negotiate with them. You cannot form peace with them. Anyone who would celebrate this, which they are by the hundreds of thousands, dancing in the streets, is not worthy of living among civilized people. When I see major news articles in the Jerusalem Post, one of the things that I always do, because I find the comments more interesting than the articles, is uh, I was late to calling in to the uh, program this evening because I was reading them, one after another after another. And usually when you're reading columns in the Jerusalem Post, it's conservative Jews or religious Jews <coughs> lashing out at the Jerusalem Post because they think it's too liberal. Personally, I don't see it that way. This was not the case. Virtually every person said it's enough. We can't tolerate this anymore. We need to bulldoze the Temple Mount. We need to remove the Islamic trophies and shrines that are there. Many wanted to rebuild the Temple. I can tell you, that God is not going to help you rebuild the temple because he's going to rebuild it himself with his covenant family 
when he returns, which will be quite soon, less than 11 years from now. But you would do the world and yourselves a great service to bulldoze the Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque. And let's be clear. There is no legitimacy to the Islamic claim that the Temple Mount is the third holiest site in Islam. That is bull. It isn't even remotely true. To say it means that the person making the statement is a complete nidcompoop. They are ignorant. They are irrational. They do not know what they're talking about. Parroting a lie does not make somebody a journalist. I've shared this on this program many times, and I'm going to share it again. The story of the Dome of the Rock is stunningly embarrassing to Islam. It is so embarrassing that if Jews had some backbone, some courage, they would broadcast this story throughout the Israeli media and the world. You're smart enough, but do you have the courage? You can learn the truth. Open the Quran. Read the Hadith. Find out what it says. Because the reality is that Muhammad created Islam for three reasons. Sex, power, and money. That's it. And the Muslims, the, I can't even say Mecca's because uh, Islam was not created in Mecca. It was created in, in Petra. Uh, the people of uh, which is where Islam was actually created to the degree we can believe anything that is was recorded of Muhammad said you know you're being just since you're obviously demon possessed you're, uh, you're you're just a crazy man that uh, wants to uh, to be acknowledged uh, he's obviously insecure he needed praise and so they said okay if you'll just stop being an idiot and agitator, then we'll give you the three things you want. You can be king for a day. Uh, you can have your pick of the prettiest uh, women in the, uh, the town, and we'll give you a, a boatload of money. And Muhammad accepted it. There's Quran verses affirming it, because the, uh, what the townspeople said of Petra was, you know, the, uh, the Kaaba, which was built in Petra, uh, has three goddesses that are exceedingly important. And, you know, Allah is, a, uh, is not the most important. And if you will acknowledge them, we'll give you these things. Next verse in the Quran, Muhammad acknowledges them. And so... He was uh, stooping the uh, six-year-old daughter of the first Muslim convert. Aisha was her name. Six years old when Muhammad was 50. And that's Pretty when good. He had sex. That is a pedophile. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, Abu Bakr said, you know, I gave you my, uh, my uh, I'm such a great father, I gave you my six-year-old daughter to uh, stoop. And, uh, and now, after you telling us that we were going to be the founders of this great monotheistic religion, you've got three goddesses in addition to Allah. What gives? 
I can't trust you. So Muhammad, he now has the only real stalwart that is uh, a Islamic convert threatening to take away his plaything. And he says, ah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, all of Allah's messengers speak on behalf of Satan. That was from Satan, my comment. And so what Satan says, uh, Allah takes away. Great. And then that night, because the townspeople, of course, are laughing him uh, out of town. They're mocking him mercilessly, making an utter fool of himself. While in bed with the six-year-old girl, Muhammad envisions that he gets on a wild ass called a Barak, and he flies off from what was actually Petra due north to Jerusalem. Guess he wouldn't have to fight the trade winds and the uh, prevailing uh, circulatory directional winds of the earth to uh, have flown north as opposed to uh, to east. But he flies into uh, to Jerusalem and he claims that he went directly to the temple. Of course, the temple had been destroyed what, 500 years earlier. Yep. Mm-hmm. Five centuries earlier. Then he claims that he met with all the Jewish <laughs> big shots who were there. Oh, he started with Adam, and yeah, he made, met with Moshe, and he met with Abraham, and, you know, he, he went through the list, and he even met with Esau, who this nincompoop thought was Yosha, uh, who Christians have mangled into Jesus. <laughs> the fact that they call him uh, in the Quran, Esau is indicting of itself because Esau is the one person Yahweh calls out and says, I hate him. So he uh, has this imaginary trip to a place that he doesn't even know the name. He won't find the name Jerusalem there but claims that, uh, yep, he went into the temple and met with all the big shots, and then uh, it was the time to winged ass to heaven, which tells you that the only way you can get to the Islamic heaven is through Jerusalem. That does not speak very well for Mecca or Petra, does it? And he leapt up, and on the way up, the first stop was hell. Yep. And in hell, it was filled with women who were hung by meat hooks through their breasts. That's the story. Because they weren't grateful enough to their husbands. And from there, he went up through the rags, had discussions with all Jews until he finally meets with Allah. And Allah says, I want to be mooned 50 times a day. Yep, I want your nose in the dirt and your ass is in the air 50 times a day. And Muhammad says, oh, it's too egregious. Let's, let's negotiate. I made it three. Oh, it's a pathetic story. The whole thing is absolutely, well, if it wasn't for the fact that Muslims are terrorists and mass murderers, would be laughable. Yep. I mean, it is disgusting that 1.5 billion people have been hoodwinked into believing that the Quran was inspired by a God so stupid that he thinks people were made out of different colors of mud, which is why they have different colored skin, or that the reason night occurs is the sun goes to take a nap 
in a muddy spring. And that there's a race across the sky with the moon chasing the sun. It's a book so full of contradictions. In the second surah, there's an explanation of how you deal with the contradictions. Most recent contradiction prevails. And you have Muhammad, who is clearly, by the Quran's own definition, a liar, a pedophile, a rapist, loved raping Jewish women, a thief. There's even a surah in the Quran that says stealing is lawful and good. The first surah of the Islamic era. This is the story that has the world all tied up in knots, thinking that the Temple Mount ought to have trophies of Islamic stupidity. And that's what they are, their trophies. The only intelligent thing to do is what Hezekiah did. Return to the Torah, not to the Talmud, to the Torah. Start celebrating the seven Moed Mikre as they were intended, not as the rabbis do. And get rid of all of the religious junk, not only Judaism's, but Islam's. Bulldoze them. Now I know there's, there's some Jews that want to build the third temple. Don't bother. Yeah, I was going to take care of that himself. He does not need your help. But he has asked you to remove all traces of religion over and over again. We've been doing this show for weeks now on Hosea, Hosea, prophet who is most vociferous on condemning Judaism. Yeah, those people should not have been walking out of a synagogue. Judaism should no longer be practiced. God is anti-religion. Hates Judaism, Christianity, Islam, socialist, secular humanism, all of them. And if you want to know him, his name is Yahweh, and the first step to form a relationship with him is to step away from religion and politics. Now that said, this may have been enough, not just with the murders, not just with the, uh, the celebrations is what did it. It isn't just the number of, of Jewish Including. yeah, that were shot in, uh, in cold blood. It's the proof that Muslims are savages that maybe it's time to go on record and say there is no such thing as a Palestinian. We will never use the term again. There is no such thing as Palestine. There is no West Bank. There are no occupied territories unless you're speaking to the Muslims that are occupying the Jewish homeland. No Palestine, no Palestinians. No two-state solution. No occupation. And that Islam is the most revolting religion ever conceived. It's time to choose. Know the truth and spoke the truth. And cleaned house. 
There were a lot of articles in, the, in our comments today that said that uh, rather than going in and doing surgical strikes in Genet, it should just be turned into uh, agricultural land. Send the Muslims either to Gaza or to uh, Jordan. Uh, Jordan was created as a mm-hmm. state for, uh, for Muslims well, for, yeah. living in Israel. And the intelligent thing to do is to uh, give the Muslims living in Israel who have shown that they're incapable of being civil a week to move. Pick one of the two places. Don't care which one, pick one of the two places. If you can prove that you own property and it has some value and that you have never incited nor even encouraged or celebrated terrorism against Jews, and I'm all for Jews buying that property from you. But if you've ever encouraged it, if you have a son or a daughter that's out there celebrating the death of innocent Jews, then it needs to be taken from you. And after giving all of the Muslims and the West Bank, which called the West Bank, there is no such thing, but in Judea and Samaria. And in places like uh, Bethlehem, Ramallah, East Jerusalem, the opportunity to leave and go to any one of the Islamic countries that surrounds Israel, it all needs to be bulldozed. Agreed. Or you can wait and, uh, and they can kill you. We can pretend that we're in a slow holocaust. And after, uh, after it's all over and millions of Jews are dead, then Yahweh is going to return and the few that are left that are willing to acknowledge him will watch him and the Messiah, Dode, David, clean house. But if you want to impress your God, and that's not a bad thing to do, it's time to move them out. I have uh, never, ever in my entire life as a broadcaster uh, and as an author ever encouraged violence. And uh, in this case, I really don't want to go in with guns blazing unless it is to wipe out those who are sponsoring terrorism against Jews. I think that's they are fair game. They've declared war. Um, Israel should be able to defend itself and fight back. But I always prefer words. So I would much prefer that Israelis, their media, and their leaders start telling the truth about the fact that there are no Palestinians. There is no such place called Palestine and that Islam is incompatible with the rest of the world. And that... They do urban renewal by turning uh, these places into farmland. And to do so in the, uh, in the least deadly way possible. But it needs to be done before we live in a, a return to the Holocaust. This was Holocaust Memorial Day uh, today, as it uh, mm-hmm. turns out. Right. So I do hope that uh, Israel finally responds. 
that every Jew in Israel, whether you be a, a nutcase progressive, one of the children running around uh, in, uh, in Tel Aviv that thinks that you can negotiate and have peace with those that want to annihilate you, that every single one watched the celebrations that are taking place in Gaza and in um, the uh, Muslim towns throughout Israel. Think long and hard about uh, trying to live beside such people that celebrate your death. And then what really needs to be done. All right, so that's my two cents are uh, actually probably a million shekels on uh, on Palestinians and on uh, Islam and and what the uh, what needs to happen for uh, there to be any sanity in this uh, discussion. And you might say, oh, the world wouldn't point. tolerate it. The United States wouldn't tolerate it. So what? So what? So what? What, are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to placate a progressive administration like the Biden administration, thinking that they're going to somehow like you if you roll over and play dead? Do you think the European Union is going to stop funding uh, slave for pay because you don't escalate? Do you think if you allow Hamas to rain rockets down on you and you don't respond that you're going to win the favor of the Muslim world? No. You gave the Muslims Gaza. You withdrew. It was under Israeli uh, control after the Six-Day War, and you gave it to them. And what did you create? And so why would anybody, even with half a brain, think that if they were to create a... Muslim state on the other side of Israel, such that country is only about 10 miles wide at its waist, where 70% of the population lives, that that's going to turn out differently. Oh, but there's the Palestinian Authority run by the PLO over there, and you have Hamas on the other side. Yeah, guess why there hasn't been an election, the Palestinian Authority, for decades. Because if there was an election, the Muslims there would vote for Hamas, and you would have Hamas enclaves on both sides of you with Hezbollah due north. It would be literally like shooting Jews in a barrel. Hmm. Speaking of shooting Jews in a barrel, before we return to Hosha. um, It's been an interesting week in uh, translating... um, Ezekiel. I am now through the 32nd chapter of Ezekiel, so what about 70% of the way through the book. There hasn't been a single statement that the Lord of Babel has made that has been true. Not one. Every statement, every prediction, every claim that he has made is invalid. Now, it takes a special kind of wrong to be wrong 100% of the time. In fact, uh, you actually actually have to be fairly smart to be wrong 100% of the time. The test is pretty clear that you have to be able to be consistent with what Yahweh has said. You have to be 
consistent with with what happened previously because prophecy is like the Hebrew language, like light itself, uh, like God himself. It simply exists. What was true is true, will always be true. Uh, there is no past and, uh, and future tenses, and so you're dealing with the need to be right about what has happened, and you have to have predictions which are memorialized in writing well in advance of events detailing what will happen, and it has to happen that way. There's not a single accurate prophecy in the entire book. There are many contradictions of, of things God has said, and there are not just untrue statements of things that happened uh, historically. They're the inverse of what happened. And, and it's not just that everything is wrong in the book. It's that the inspiration of the book is a psychopath, a narcissist. He's anti-Semitic. He is sadistic. It is the most disgusting text ever written. I, I, you know, I have spent five years of my life. Are you there, Dee? Uh, I'm here. I, I thought I disconnected. <laughs> no, no, I'm not disconnected. I think no. It was it was a lot of static in the last few minutes. So yeah. Okay. Well, it's unfortunate what's going on in Israel today. Mm-hmm. I was watching that the like videos. That's a pretty good plan. I thought pick them up and move away. Find yeah. So what else can they do? Yeah, I uh, I watched the videos of them rejoicing in the street, and it's totally sickening. Hmm. So, well, I suppose we could start well, now, reading Hosea. Why, why? Yeah, we could, but well, why is it that there's nothing he said that he hasn't said multiple times? He hadn't written about, and, and, and we haven't fact checked uh, about Palestine and all those things, historical truths. Why is it so hard for someone to parrot what he's saying? I mean, they, they, it's true, and everything else is a lot. It's a thinking problem, the way Craig has, has said, and um, the media presents the uh, the pro-Palestinian side, and but a, fake oh, people side. So, oh, are people just so chicken? I mean, so scared? Uh, oh, sure. Nobody ever wants to stand up and say, you know, this is this is wrong. This is horrible. Pedophiles, murderers, they teach the children. You can't save the children if you teach your child to do these things. All um, right. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Hey. Yay. Okay, we're back. Good, good. All right. We well, were vamping. We were vamping. Uh, we got sure that. Yeah, the gremlins on the Internet are not going to like what I have to say. Uh, truth is uh, not much of an ally or an alibi these days. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, let's just continue. I, I, I wanted to, uh, to say that the thing that is most troubling to me about Ezekiel is that the book is so anti-Semitic 
so demonic, so sadistic. Uh, the, over the first 20-some-odd chapters, uh, the, uh, the voice labels, uh, describes 25 ways to kill Jews. The, uh, the voice of Ezekiel is a pedophile and glories in pedophilia, uh, encourages rape, uh, is a pimp, despises Jewish women, uh, and then writes of himself uh, through uh, foils, and then to prove that he really isn't the adversary, but is God, he then, after glorifying the, uh, the proxy or foil, uh, he then uh, uh, sends them off. It's Satan. And most people just don't understand that, that uh, when you say Satan, they say, oh, yeah, I know in Judaism they don't even believe there is a, uh, a Hasatan, and even though yeah, it was said there was. And in the book of Yashaya, there's over and over and over again, there are references to him. Uh, that uh, they don't recognize his agenda from Yashaya 7, or, or, excuse me, Yashaya 14. And in Yashiach Isaiah 14, it's very clear that he's going to rise out of the institutionalized religion and, uh, and integration into the politics of Babylon, of the land of intermixing and confusing. And, and in so doing, his goal is to be perceived as God. And so the only way for the adversary to be perceived as God is for him to bury, to destroy, to annihilate perception that he's the adversary. No one's going to go off and worship Satan as God under the title Satan, the adversary. So he has to destroy that title and his identity with that title to be perceived as the Lord God of religion. And that's what he does throughout Ezekiel. Ezekiel is, was written for a singular purpose which is for the adversary, Satan, to be able to glorify who he once was before he was challenged by God for misleading Chawa and diminished. And then he doesn't like God for having done that and wants to lash out at God, finds people despicable and, and worthless, and is lashing out by destroying his association with the adversary title so that he can be perceived as the Lord God of religion. He is Hashem of Judaism, Adonai of Judaism. He is Jesus Christ of Christianity. He is Allah in Islam. He is the Lord God of religion. That was his goal, and he has pulled it off, and Jews helped him. That's what's so amazing about the book of Ezekiel. It wouldn't exist as a book set between the prophets, real prophets, like Yermayah and Yashaya, Jeremiah and Isaiah, Hosha, Hosea, Zechariah, Zechariah. It wouldn't exist as a book to be considered among actual prophets if Jews hadn't put it there. And this is a book that has 25 ways to kill a Jew. Why would you do that? Why aren't there Jews today saying it's wrong, it's false, it doesn't belong? I can tell you why. Because a huge part of the Zohar is borrowed from it. I can tell you why. Because in rabbinic Judaism, women are treated like trash. And you're justified in doing so by the book of Ezekiel. 
Christians have a hell of a problem with the realization that Ezekiel isn't true because take a book like Revelation, there's 40 direct citations of Ezekiel and Revelation. means Revelation is not true. (laughs) You know, there will be no Magog war. There is no Gog. There is no Valley of the Dry Bones. There, There is no New Jerusalem. There is no reordering of and elimination of the Moed Mikre. God is not sadistic. The visions of God with the all of the signs of the zodiac and eyeballs within wheels and wheels within wheels <laughs> is utter nonsense. Uh, yeah. It's here not inspired. Hallucinogenic. But Jews have no one but themselves to blame for the very book that led to them being dehumanized and demonized. The book of Ezekiel that does that. And yet you made it part of your Bible, which then made it part of the Christian Bible, which gave them the justification for doing it. One of the problems of Judaism, one guy can't stand Judaism. You do this to yourself. Christianity is a direct result of Judaism. Islam is a direct, directly responsible for Judaism or rabbis. Without rabbis, there is no Islam. Without rabbis, there is no Christianity. These are very provable conclusions. Mm-hmm. So I will continue to uh, to finish the second volume on uh, on Ezekiel. Um, hopefully it will be done in about a month's time. There's a lot of it that's already posted on the Yada Yah site, and you can uh, read it. But I can tell you that if anybody thinks I'm out on a limb, I'm going to tell you it is so obvious. It is the only question is why has it taken so long for somebody to... Yeah, yeah, to uh, call a spade a spade. All right, where we left uh, last week, um, halfway now through the program, but we're going to return to where we were, is uh, Hosha um, 4.15. And it reads, Even though you act like a religious whore, Zana Atta, you're a fraud, prostitute, unfaithful, unreliable, feigning devotion, Yisrael, in the negative, means those who contend and struggle against God. Let not Yehuda, the beloved of Yah, be guilty and suffer the same fate. Do not come to Gigal circular reasoning. Neither ascend to Beth Ewan, the home of affliction. Do not consistently curse, swear, or continually take an oath. Yahweh lives. It would be very soon after this that Israel would cease to exist. The northern kingdom was attacked by the Assyrians. They were especially ruthless. They hauled uh, 10 of the 12 tribes into obscurity where uh, essentially contact was lost with them. There, There is the high probability that uh, Jews have continued to intermarry, but to stay alive, 
they're masquerading now as Muslims. Uh, when they're doing their spit tests now, there's quite the awakening. The people they've been told to hate, where there's extra bonus points from Allah to kill a Jew, and the uh, brothel that he calls heaven. Uh, the fact is that they have Jewish DNA. The uh, Taliban, for example, is uh, pushed in tribe is uh, is likely uh, has a high. Uh, um, Jewish DNA content. Uh, you uh, you look at so many of the leaders of the Islamic world, and uh, J1, they're Jews. And so Yahweh has said that he's going to call his people out of geographic Babylon uh, prior to his return. And so there are some that will awaken. They will leave Islam. Some uh, converted to uh, Christianity, Roman Catholicism to avoid the Inquisition and stayed uh, that way because the Inquisition turned uh, into uh, pogroms and pogroms turned into the Holocaust and now it's just a rise of anti-Semitism around the world. And so there are lots of, uh, of them still that will reunite with Yahweh. But the fact is that Israel, according to Hosha, who was a Israelite, that they were religious horse. Boy, it's true today, too. Uh, there probably is no more irritating religion to Yahweh than uh, Hadithic Judaism. And there's no religion that robs its people more or pays its clerics more than does Judaism. Even though you act like religious whores, Israel, those who contend and struggle against God, don't, don't influence Yahuda, Judah, in this way such that they suffer the same fate. Do not fall into the trap of Gigal, circular reasoning. Do not rise up to Be'eth, the home of affliction, of evil, of awen house of vanity, of idolatry, and trouble. Don't do it. Do not consistently curse, swear, or continually take an oath for any of these disgusting things. Yahweh lives. And yet there isn't a religious Jew on the planet who will even say his name. They claim that they're going to the synagogue to to worship God. No. I'll tell you what, he has never been in a synagogue, would never go into a synagogue. You don't know who God is, I can assure you. But if you will read Yada Yahweh, you will come to know who he is. And if you're a Jew or Israelite listening to my voice and Israel tonight as you mourn for those who the Muslims have killed and are celebrating the deaths, I would encourage you, go to yadayah.com. Yada means to know, and Yah is the familial form of Yahweh's name. You can go to Yada Yahweh as well, but yadayah.com, and begin at the beginning. Open the first book, An Introduction to God. Learn why you, why me. Come to know what Yahweh is offering and what he expects in return. Come to know how we have come to know the way to pronounce his name. Come to understand how vehemently he is opposed to religion for all the reasons we've talked about. Not fond of politics either. You should read what he had to say 
to Shamwell when Shamwell announced that they had chosen Shaul, Saul, over him. It's quite a list of things that he says that politician will do to you. And that by choosing the political solution, they are choosing to reject Yahweh. It's true today. Come to know what God is offering. Go to yadayah.com. Read it. You know, it's written in the language spoken by more Jews than any other in the world, English. It's written in the lingua franca of the world, the language read and spoken by more people than any other in the world. It had to be translated into English so that the most people could read it and understand God's message. And it is a comprehensive translation of what Yahweh said, just like this passage we have read. Come to know him. Find out what he's offering. You will find that Yahweh is the opposite of religion and politics. He wants you enlightened, not indoctrinated. He wants you empowered, not controlled. He wants you liberated, emancipated, enriched. All of these things. And he will do them all for you. So at this time, Israel had become a lost cause. Yehuda was, was uh, well, it's going to happen to Yehuda. It just hadn't happened yet. There were still some righteous people. Uh, a few honorable kings would come along. There would be some glorious prophets that uh, would rise in Dode's shadow. And while Yehuda would fall and suffer under the Babylonians, horrible what... Uh, was done by Nebuchadnezzar. Under the Greeks, they were far worse. Under imperial Rome, which was the most ruthless of all civilizations, particularly as it relates to their treatment of Jews. And the Roman Catholic Church, which tormented, harassed, and subjugated Jews, murked Jews, dehumanized Jews for a longer time, and in more places than any other institution in the history of humanity. And then there were the Muslims, who in the first hundred years after Muhammad's death, wiped out a third of the world's population. They were followed by the Ottomans, who rose to power when the Tamerlane uh, and uh, those following him of the Mongols figured out that uh, Islam was a really good religion if you're trying to motivate barbarians because that's how Islam got its beginning. And so then with the Ottomans and the British were savages towards Jews and the Nazis after them with the Holocaust and this having been Holocaust Remembrance Day. The conspiratorialists of where the majority of conspiracies, and the worst of them, the longest lived of them, are blame the Jews. And now progressives mm-hmm. that lash out at uh, Jews with uh, completely do- devoid of evidence and reason. Their intermission from Yahweh was uh, another three centuries down the road for Yahuda, but it would come. They would succumb to circular reasoning through religion, they would take vanity to an entirely new level. 
By speaking of vanity and uh, and circular reasoning, I, I'm just appalled by what I'm continuing to read about uh-huh. the Ukraine. We we've decided that we're sending them A1 Abrams tanks, and uh, the German tanks are even better than our tanks, and and we're lavishing tanks on them. And the day they uh, they got their tanks, they said, "Oh, but we need more, and we need more, and we need more." And then then they needed another twenty billion dollars to fix their infrastructure. And then they needed another $10 billion to make their economy go. And then they needed another $50 billion worth of weapons. There's only one place this is headed, and that's to nuclear war. You cannot arm a country as a proxy with your most advanced weapons and kill their soldiers to the point that that country has no hope of succeeding and not expect them to lash out at the only way that will be left to them. The United States will be attacked by Russian nuclear bombs, and it will have been entirely our fault. That's the reality. And the circular reasoning and the ignoramus of politicians and the media for not recognizing that is, uh, is indeed sad. You're right. Unlike man's religious schemes where conversion is the means to submission and control, there is no oath of allegiance for the covenant. Do you know that? None. Yes, free will. God doesn't have a formula that says, you must say so-and-so. You must vow your support to me. You must. No, because what are you doing? You're becoming part of a family. When you become born into a family, do you say, Oh, dearest Lord, Father, and Father. Lord, Lordest Mother, <laughs> great Queen of Heaven and, and Mother of God, I pledge my soul to your bidding. No. <laughs> A family you're loved. You love in return. Your, your parents give to you. They don't take from you. You, you bear the name of your parents. As a gift, not not as something that you must make a profession for. It's a relationship. Yes. But there is no oath of allegiance. In fact, there is no actual Hebrew word for obey. Isn't that interesting? Love that. And by yeah. referencing the towns of Gigal and Beth. Uh, a one, Yahweh underscored his anti-religious message. Gigal is where the people made Shaul their king, and where the ill-conceived leader ran afoul of Yahweh. Gigal speaks of circular things, such as circular reasoning, of tumbleweeds blown by the wind, and of course of circular storms, swirling storms. It is telling because the Christian term church is most closely related to Shersh, who is the daughter of the sun god Helios. It is from her name that the English words circle and circus are derived. You will find them in the halos, representing the circular disk of the sun, uh, and in sun worship throughout Christianity. Even religious Jews have their circles, wherein the kippa, which is of Greek influence, as is the building that those poor souls walked out of this evening 
It's called a synagogue. Why don't you look up the Hebrew basis of synagogue? You could spend the next thousand years doing so, and you will not find any Hebrew basis for it. God does not have a synagogue. Not a Hebrew word. Based upon the Greek influence on Judaism. The Israelites confirmed kingship on Shaul Saul. It was here right at Gagal that it happened that his authority was uh, taken then away from him by his failure to listen to Yahweh. Yahweh said, "Uh, that's enough of him. We're not going to play this game anymore. Shaul is also a harbinger for one of the men that I said is on the top five list of God's most hated individuals, Shaul Paul, the founder and principal author of Christianity. Among the vainest of men, he, like King Shaul, was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, Benjamin, yeah. Which is where the house of affliction and vanity was located. Amazing. Continuing in Hosha. Indeed, Israel is stubborn, defiant, obstinate, rebellious, and unwilling to change. In fact, as bad as a cow. Now, as a result, can Yahweh shepherd them as a lamb in the limitless, spacious place with vast freedom? Ephraim, which is a reference to the northern kingdom, is in accord with and allied to harmful, idolatrous religious images and vexing false gods. You should choose to leave him alone. 417. All right, so uh, when you're called stubborn, defiant, obstinate, rebellious by God, that's probably not a compliment. And when God says that you are as stubborn as a cow, that's... saying that you're you're probably beyond hope. Stubborn Mm -hmm. as a cow. And if you were to look at the Herodim today, you'd say the same thing. Uh, The religion was created, uh, what, in the 18th century? It was created by a man that was illiterate? You've got all these prophets. You've got Moshe, who's brilliant. You've got Dode, who was the brightest man who ever lived. You've got a guy like Hosha. And instead, you're going to give your soul to a religion that was traced back to Baal Shem Tov? If he was literate, we don't even know because he never wrote anything. Why? You know why he didn't write anything? Because the written word is enduring, and you can fact check it. You know, I do this program orally with uh, Kirk and uh, and Dee, but based upon the 26 volumes of Yada Yawa, they're available for you to read and scrutinize because with the written word and every one of the books is free in its entirety online, you can copy and paste the, uh, the Hebrew term that we're translating into a search engine and validate whether or not my rendering is accurate. Right. And you can then take something that I wrote 20 years ago and you can say, well, was it true? Or anything that I uh, I say, and you can challenge it 
because you can look it up. Very hard mm-hmm. to do with a spoken word, which is why nincompoops like Bal Shem Tov only spoke their uh, contrivances as opposed to actually writing them down. It's one of the, the great mysteries of Christianity is that, uh, you know, they'll claim that, oh, man, Jesus, he, he's God in the flesh. He is the ultimate. He's everything. He even He's better than all of those other prophets combined. Oh, yeah? Moshe uh, left us the, uh, the Torah with Barashith and Shemot and with Bamidbar and he's got it all and he wrote it all down and then you've got Shamuel and he wrote it all down and you've got Dod who wrote it all down and Yashiyah yeah. who wrote it all down and Yermayah who wrote it all down and what did, did Jesus write? Not a Zip. word. Zip. You don't even have an eyewitness who wrote anything down that he said within 50 years. Any proof? Yeah. One person that did, allegedly, in Greek. That you're, you're supposed to be listening to him? No. He was the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb does not have a speaking role in God's play. The shepherd does, but the shepherds don't. Yeah. That can be validated, that can be investigated, that can be proven, write it down. I, you know, almost every day, four or five requests to look at some stupid video, and I, I, I just don't bother. <laughs> you know, if you want to write it down, and first you can read seven times faster than you can listen to something and process the information. But you've got to wait to check it. And so it's, uh, it's really sad. In fact, one of the things that's so sad is that the truthers, all the conspiracy nuts out there, they, uh, they yeah. will poo-poo the, uh, the news, the written uh, media. Oh, boy, they're, they're fake news, fake news. And yet uh, all of their retorts are in video presentations with some talking numbskull uh, that uh, just wags his tongue. As a result, can Yahweh shepherd them? Can he shepherd them as if they were lambs? Can, is there any chance that Yahweh can take them through the limitless, spacious place with vast freedom? No. That's what God said, is that because you're stubborn, because you don't listen, because you act like a God-forsaken cow, Yahweh can't shepherd you. If he were to take you beyond the third dimension into the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, as opportunities grow, he can't trust you. And he can't stomach you. If you're stupid enough to believe the Talmud over the Torah, you're as dumb as the cow. If you want to believe a rabbi over God, well, that's your choice. He gave you free will. 
but it's not going to work out for you. We talked about it in this, our last program, it's, uh, in the program before. It's been 2,700 to 2,500 years of, mm-hmm. of help for Jews. You know, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, oh, the Romans and the Romans and the Romans, and then the Roman Catholics. And after the Roman Catholics, the Muslims, and then the Ottomans, um, and then the Europeans, and then the Nazis, and then the communists and the progressives. When are you going to say it's not working out for us? When are you actually going to gain a backbone and say the religion that has brought all of this on us is counterproductive? Why don't we give Yahweh a chance? Why don't we check out and see if Hezekiah was right, if that actually occurred, if the Assyrians were eliminated? And see if God will do for you what he did for the Jews living at that time. Ephraim is in one accord and allied to harmful, idolatrous religious images and vexing false gods. And that's the nature of of Christianity, Judaism, Islam. They're all idolatrous. They're all based on what occurred in Babylon. Where was the Talmud written? Babylon. Babylon, of course. Yeah. And, and even uh, Hasidic Judaism was created in the Babylon, the Babylon really, of, uh, of the modern world, the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. One of the most least worthy, least moral places on earth. And so what's God's statement? Leave it. Leave it. Yeah. You can't fix it. Walk away from it. As their alcoholic beverages are consumed and removed, they go out whoring, acting like disingenuous prostitutes. The religious are sexually and financially exploitive as blind and senseless stooges. They love ignominy and shame. A spirit has laid siege to and has enveloped them in her wings. They will be ashamed and humiliated, even confounded and disappointed as a result of their sacrifices. This was written around 750 BCE. You'd think that since it is kept among the prophets, that occasionally a Jew would read it and say, whoa, wait a minute, God predicted that we would be in this bad situation. He said that uh, we were unshepherdable. He said that we were engaged in religious paganism, really. We were chasing after idolatrous images. He told us to leave it alone. He told us that we were intoxicated our own brew. And it had caused us to ask like disingenuous whores. 
The religious are sexually and financially exploitive, blind and senseless stooges. Boy, look at all of the rabbis that are uh, being accused and have been convicted of of, um, sexually exploiting women. Almost as bad per capita as Catholic priests. And children, too. Yeah. Yeah. They love shame. They love dishonor. They love their scandals. They love being humiliated, according to God. A spirit has laid siege to and has enveloped them in her wings. You know, you can um, embrace a number of different spirits. There's the spirit of Yahweh, the Ruach Kodesh. There are spiritual beings that are part of the Saba, the uh, heavenly host. Uh, Malak are spiritual representatives. The Cherubim are protective uh, spirits. But there's also... uh, Hasatan, and he's a spiritual uh, being. So you can choose to <coughs> be um, associated with with Yahweh or the adversary. And they will be ashamed and humiliated, even confounded and disappointed as a result of their religious sacrifices. Now, <coughs> over the years I've been called a lot of things, including stubborn, defiant, rebellious, and unwilling to change. My, my stance regarding Yahweh is formidable. Um, it is like uh, Kirk's and D's. It is unwavering. And even with all of the titles that have been afforded this particular mission, from uh, Choke, um, uh, Sucker, to Nakri, uh, which is my observant foreigner, um, Malak Messenger, um, Bashar Herald, Yada, someone who knows Zoroa, someone who sows the seeds. Um, I've not heard Yahweh reference a parah cow. And yeah. I can tell you that's not flattering. No, I look at everything. It's nothing positive. Yeah, they're, they're just <laughs> not that para. You know, no. there are certain animals that uh, you, you just recognize that that animal was made for consumption. I mean, a rabbit uh, breeds like crazy. They're part of the food chain. It's just all there is to it. I think they're cute yeah. and all, but not if you were a fox. Uh, and no. cows, well, a cow, unless it's being herded for the purpose of uh, consumption, really doesn't have any defenses from wolves or lions no. or other kinds of, uh, of predators. And so it's, yeah. it's part of the food chain. And so if, if you're being likened to a cow, that's not encouraging. It's part of the... Might as well say you're being likened to hamburger. Oh, by the way, there's a big report out of Israel now that there's a, a uh, synthetic meat that uh, you could actually make a cheeseburger and not be in violation of the most ridiculous of the kosher laws, oh, no. which is you can't have cheese and, uh, well, and a, meat there's the, a reason. Yeah, yeah, on the same plate or in the same meal. But because it's synthetic, the rabbis wrote like a 100-page uh, analysis on a verdict. Because it's synthetic, so long as they don't claim that it's real meat, then uh, maybe uh, it's okay to have a synthetic cheeseburger. 
Does it still have to be <laughs> voted kosher? I mean, what? <laughs> what's the criteria? Yeah, about yeah, yeah. The point. Uh, co- Kosher, you know, you what, what could be then? better than having uh, kosher fake? The fake meat can be kosher. If God said, uh, if God wanted you to never have uh, dairy and meat on the same plate, why didn't he say so? Why didn't he say so? He doesn't say anything of the, of the like. If, if God wanted you to, uh, to please him, by having a super restrictive diet, why were half of the animals on that list unknowable? If, if God was all fixated on what you ate and that was going to define who you are, then can you please tell me why in Dabadim it says you can eat anything you want so long as you do it thoughtfully? Just think about it. Yeah. 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 You know, God's instructions were, I'm going to give you a list of things that really aren't helpful. Yeah, if you eat sick. these things, they, they have a very high likelihood of making you sick. So you'd be better off not eating them. And until, you know, very recently with refrigeration and other kind of uh, hygiene, they, weren't, they would kill you. It is selfish, kills lots of people even today. So, uh, so does uh, pork. It's the most deadly of meats. Uh, yeah, I was right. This idea that you can make your religion out of kosher, the only reason they do it is because it gives the rabbis control over religious Jews. And it gives them a way to fleece religious Jews. Because, wow, if you don't have two sinks and separate plates for your dairy and your, uh, and your meat, the kitchen has to be cleansed and blessed by, well, they don't cleanse it, but it has to be blessed by a rabbi. You know, there's a... Tearing. There's an indulgence for everything in uh, in Judaism. It's called pay the rabbi. So if God were to equate any of this to an animal, the preferred choice would be kibesh, a lamb. Yahweh views himself as a ra'ah shepherd. He clearly loves those who tend to his beloved sheep. Dode is the ultimate shepherd. Uh, but anyone who shepherds Yah's sheep uh, is perceived as uh, as being wonderful in his eyes, and uh, yeah, there's lots of reasons that he picked uh, sheep uh, as the animal to most identify his people with. Um, they're they're willing to follow uh, their shepherd. The shepherd lives with them. They know their name. They recognize their name. Uh, they are very communicative. Um, uh, they are uh, n- not a vicious animal. Uh, they're capable of, of very sophisticated reasoning. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I was not equating his people to sheep, but instead cows. Sadly, there is no longer any hope of guiding Israel. They were feeding upon themselves. They were herbivores gone rogue. There was no sweet disposition, no desire to be led or willingness to follow as part of Yah's flock. Left on their own, as would be the case, they were a danger to themselves. Clearly, they could not be trusted. You know, they really brought the wrath of the Babylonians on themselves. That's clearly... 
the fault of uh, the leadership of Judah. They brought the wrath of Rome on themselves. They brought the wrath of the Greeks upon themselves with the Maccabean revolts. They created Islam. They created Christianity. They brought the wrath of the Unfortunately. world. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't exonerate Christians. No, it doesn't exonerate Mo- Muslims. No, they're wrong. But there wouldn't be any Christians. There wouldn't be any Muslims. It wasn't for what religious Jews had done. It wasn't that Ephraim was flirting with some gods and goddesses along the way. They were bound to them. They were in league and in agreement with them. They were speaking for these harmful religious images and vexing false gods. I mean, look at the story of Elia against the, uh, the prophets of Baal, the Lord, and Asherah, the queen of heaven and mother of God. They were all Jews that were flocked around the priests and prophets of the false gods. They were in it up to their eyeballs. With the one real God at their beck and call, it was inexcusable for them to chase after false gods, which is why I think God is so frustrated with his people. What follows is unexpected but wise. God is encouraging us to leave Israel alone. He just says that people are beyond repair, completely unwilling to listen. He says you can't fix them. Addressing them would be a waste of breath. And it would be today if it wasn't for the fact that Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, Yahweh's return with Dod is less than 11 years away. Now, first month of 2023 on our calendar, Yahweh's returning and uh, on the Roman Catholic uh, pagan calendar on October 2nd and 2033. We have very little time left. And if it wasn't for the fact that the day of reconciliations, Yom Kippur, it's not a day of atonement, it's not a day of sacrificing, it's a day to reconcile one's relationship with Yahweh. If it wasn't for the fact that it's fast approaching and that Yahweh is going to bring all this to a climactic close, it would be worthless to do what we're doing. And I cannot tell you if it's going to be seven or seven thousand. I can tell you it will not be seven million Jews who will finally listen to Yahweh. But if you want to be among them, go to yadayah.com. Read what God has to say to you. God is encouraging us to leave Israel alone until now. And now he wants us to reach out. The people have been beyond repair, but some are finally willing to listen. And maybe it's going to take your politicians being unable to protect you, your rabbis being unable to protect you, no one having an answer for you, that you'll finally do what Hezekiah did when he realized that he had no answer for the 185,000 Assyrians that were about to annihilate 
Judea. Maybe this is your Hezekiah moment. It is as if there were not for the promise that ultimately Yahweh will reconcile his relationship with Yisrael and Yahudah, that even today God's message would fall on deaf ears, but there is that promise, and it will occur, and this is your opportunity to capitalize. You may never have another. It is interesting that that uh, everyone that we know of who has come to know Yahweh has come the same way, 100% of them. And so if you're going to join us as part of the covenant family, you're going to come this way too. And that means that you're going to start questioning your religion and your politics, or you've already questioned them, or you've already disassociated from them, but ultimately you have to step away from the grip and the indoctrination and the control of Judaism. If you happen to be a Jew and you're into Christianity or Islam or progressivism, liberalism, you must step away from those things. You must disassociate from those. You must stop trusting them, stop promoting them. That's the first step. If you don't do that, the rest of it's a waste of time. So do that first. And once you have done that, then it is likely that if you have something to offer, if your soul has merit, if there's something about you that God finds interesting, he will introduce himself to you. But unless you're willing to walk away from religion and politics and conspiracy, you are never going to have that chance. There's a 0% chance he's going to introduce himself to you or make himself available to you. But if you do, and I can tell you with Yom Kippurim fast approaching, he will reach out to you if you walk away from religion and you make an honest effort with an open mind and you devote the time to come to know who he is and what he's offering, what he expects in return. But it's really hard to listen to God if you're praying to him. It's really hard to look at God if you're bowed down on your knees. Stand up. Look up. Shut up. And listen. And if you do that, God will reach out to you just as he did to Doe, just as he did to Abraham, just as he did to Moshe. He'll reach out to you and make an offer that gives you everything you could possibly imagine. And the only things that would be requested of you in return are all good for you. Page now, and uh, we only have a couple of minutes of broadcast time left in this program. I, uh, I, pretty stimulated by it's uh, time mm-hmm. for Events. for Israel to start using their words and to start telling the truth, to shed your ignorance of uh, of Islam, of Palestinians, of Palestine, of uh, Islamic terrorism, to know what you're up against, and be willing to de- deal with it. Uh, embrace Yahweh, walk away from religion, and come come to the place where you're not afraid to tell the truth and where you're not afraid to rid your country, your homeland, 
of the stench of this horrible blight. And it's so fitting with the message of Hosha. So a volume eight, Azab separation on the Yada Yada site. You could pull the book off the shelf at yadayah.com and read it. The fifth chapter of that volume is called Bagad. Bagad in Hebrew means betrayal. And the fact is that humankind is in a fog. Most in abetting their own demise. Evidential truth has been exchanged for unsubstantiated opinions. Reason has been abrogated by speculation. And man has replaced God with himself. Now that leaves all of us with a choice. We can separate ourselves from the lemmings. We can reject religion and politics. We can mock conspiracies. And we can turn instead to the Torah and to the prophets. Speaking through one of the best, Yahweh used several different words to emphasize the importance of listening in the opening stanza of the fifth chapter of Hosha. And we're going to share this. The program is no longer broadcasting, but we are still recording. And 99% of the listeners are uh, to archives. This uh, reads, this is the fifth chapter of Hosha. Hear this, those who are priests and have become religious leaders. Pay attention. Be attentive to what you are hearing, family of Israel. Household of the king and extended family of political leaders, open your ears to hear as tools to evaluate and consider. For this, just assessment applies to you. Indeed, you have become a snare. You're a dangerous means to control others. La mitzvah, with the means to be observant. In addition to a net spread out upon the table, a broken and confused world. OSHA 5.1. Now we'll talk about this passage again uh, next week, but it uh, says what I just said, does it not? Yes. Stop praying. Stop talking. Start listening. Stop bowing down yeah. and start reading. Yeah. Stop looking at your fellow man for answers, particularly the rabbis or your politicians. And or your army. Start looking at Yahweh. Yeah. You know, one of the, the great yeah. travesties right now in Israel's uh, situation is that the nation is so divided between right and left, between religious mm-hmm. and secular, between anti-BB and pro-BB. It is uh, probably the worst that the country has been divided since its founding in 1948. And so with a country divided and facing a relentless religious foe that is uh, on the cusp of gaining nuclear weapons and that has hundreds of thousands of rockets and drones ready to launch at it, that has taken over and impoverished the country to the north, that has infested Gaza to the point that there is no hope for the place, that 
the world wants to give the opposite of Gaza, which they call the West Bank, to these same Muslims. How you, how do you think you will survive that? It can't be done. It's worse than the 185,000 Assyrians. And one of the things when I read the blog today about Jews saying it's enough, the IDF needs to do its thing. It has the power to do so. Well, according to Iowa, the ultimate war that uh, is going to confront Israel during these last days is going to be like a flood of jihadists. They're going to come in by the hundreds of millions. There's going to be so many of them that you will not have enough bullets in the guns to stop them. And the only way that they are thwarted is to embrace Yahweh. You need a Hezekiah moment. Read the story of how the uh, king, when somebody was cleaning out the temple, found a copy of the Torah. They hadn't read it in many, many years. And Hezekiah read it and said, oh, wow, are we in trouble. Our God is really upset with our politics and our religion. We need to straighten this thing out. And we need to get the, uh, the Loi, the Levite, Cohen priests back on duty. I don't think there's one of them that could properly explain how to celebrate Pesach, Matzah, Bakurim, and Shabuah. They're clueless. So we've got to get them trained so that they can help the people understand what we're doing. And then we need to get rid of all the religious gunk that's polluting Judea. Then once we do that, then we can celebrate Pesach, Matzah, Bakotam, and Shavuot. We can't even celebrate Chag Matzah until we get rid of the religious gunk and we get some people trained so that they learn from the Torah and can guide the people. That was Hosha's response. And then he went to Yahweh and said, Yeah, I, I'm doing the best I can. I, I read it. I found it. I, I'm trying to, to get the religion out of here. I'm trying to get the... Lowy priest trained, I, I can't get it done in the time that's available to us. Can we celebrate two weeks late? Give me another two weeks, please. That's a sure. No problem. Have to accommodate. It's not about the date. It's about what represents. Lots of the removal of the focus of yeast represents removal of religion politics, the cleansing of religion and politics from the land. And then in conjunction with Pesach, those who have done so become immortal. They're saved. They're spared. And Yahweh did exactly that thing. He spared his people. They cleansed their uh, country of religion. He spared them. Pesach and Matzah. They celebrated it two weeks late and had such a great time Hezekiah said, hey, I, I've got a great idea. Can we ask Yahweh, can, can we do Pesach and Matzah another two weeks? This was really fun. I said, sure, absolutely. That's what you need if you're living in Israel. And I realize that you're never going to be able to reason or change or even make a dent in the heredity, heredity or a lost cause. And I realized 
that there is a lot of progressive young people and uh, and Tel Aviv and the the likes whose politics have become so liberal uh, and whose mindset is so indoctrinated that they're worse than the religious. And you're never going to convince them of anything using evidence and reason. But there are those of you in the middle who know that the religious are wrong and that the secular politicians are wrong. And you sense there is a God out there. Uh, if you read an introduction to God, the Yadaya site, yadaya.com, you'll find him. And it will be an awakening. And if there are a hundred of you and then a thousand and then perhaps 7,000, what a difference it's going to make. And making eternity richer. Um, making Yahweh happier. And, uh, of course, the difference it'll make for those of you who make this decision. So that's where we're going to leave it uh, tonight. Uh, I want to reemphasize those who are listening that um, you're in a very unique situation. Words are the best weapons, and you can only use them effectively if you know the truth and you're willing to speak the truth with conviction. And you need as Jews at this time to come to understand and be willing to say that there is no such thing as Palestine, there is no such thing as a Palestinian. You need to be able to say that there's nothing holy about the Islamic sites on the Temple Mount, that they are religious trophies to Satan. You need to go and read Prophet of Doom and come to know Islam as it really is and then oppose it using your words collectively as a nation. You need to stop pretending and even giving lip service to a two-state solution because it is the final solution for Jews. Don't do it. Don't pretend it even has any merit. Just point out what happened in Gaza and don't expect a different result. It's time you use your words. That would make an enormous difference. And then... You have every right to protect yourself. If Muslims are celebrating hand not if, since they are celebrating, handing out candy, dancing in the streets over the murder of unarmed civilians, you need to move them out of your country. Just as Hezekiah eliminated their religion, move them out of the country. They can move into Jordan if they wish. They can go into Saudi Arabia or Egypt if they wish. They can go into Gaza if they wish, wherever they want to go. That is just fine, but it's out. The world's going to hate you. Sure, they hate you now. What's the difference? At least that way, <laughs> they can hate you, but you're, uh, you'll love For real, real reason. Yeah, yeah they'll hate right, you, but right God side. will love you. Yeah. That's what needs to be done. I hope you do it. Uh, and if you don't, and you survive until Yah returns, you'll get to watch Yahweh do it. So here we are. It's a uh, end of a, uh, a very sad but very optimistic Shabbat. You know, what yes. happened today is very sad for those, those uh, seven. It may turn up to be uh, eight or nine, ten, uh, because at least three or four are in critical condition. We're not going to count the life of the uh, 
of the Muslim that pulled the trigger, his life was uh, worthless. Uh, but uh, I, this was a day that when you watch someone do that, and then you see hundreds of thousands of Muslims celebrate, that it should be an awakening for you. And that's how something good comes from something very, very bad. And hopefully you will listen to the voice of someone Yahweh personally called and has equipped to speak to you, to share this opportunity, to extend this invitation. Read what he has to say. Yadayad.com, please, go. Start at the beginning. Read an introduction to God. Learn. Why you? Why me? And somewhere along the way, I hope that as you agree, you'll, uh, you'll join me in um, excoriating uh, Ezekiel. Because it's not just important to know what Yahweh said and how you engage in a relationship with him. It's really important to know how the adversary has used religion to lead people astray and to cause great uh, death and destruction. Uh, across the uh, the globe, um, it's uh, you know it's as you read what he the Satan has to say in Ezekiel, and you compare it to uh, to what Yahweh revealed through the prophet Yeshua Isaiah. It's a real eye opener as to how important it is from God's perspective for us to know our enemy, His enemy, His people's enemy, and. How when we know how he operates and what he is going to do and has done, we're in a much better position to defend the truth. God wants us to do that. All right, well, I, I can't say happy Shabbat because it's, uh, it's been a rough day. No, it's been very sad. Uh, but um, I thought that today there will be a disproportionate number of, of Israelites that will be searching the internet, searching social media um, for answers. Someone talking about what happened and, and providing an answer. And I, uh, I'm not bragging when I tell you there is no one who understands Islam and Judaism and Yahweh better than I. No, agreed. And so He's I want done you the to work. I've done the work. I've invested 22 years of my life uh, into uh, this, and I want you to know what what I've learned, and then capitalize upon it. It'll transform your life. So yeah. that is our message to our friends in uh, in Israel. Uh, it is our message to Jews living in America and around the world, and. Yahweh is open to Yehudim, uh, obviously joining him, but to Goyim, who are willing to embrace Israel, who are willing to listen to Yahweh and reject religion, are welcome to. And so uh, we welcome you to this message, and we would encourage you to, to join us. You may want to start at questioning Paul, the four volumes that disprove Christianity. You uh, may want to start with the Barashith uh, in the beginning, uh, volume one of uh, Yadayahu. 
there are so many interesting places to uh, start, but by all means, start. So we look forward to being with you next week. Um, uh, let's uh, hope that this tragic day turns into something that inspires God's people to begin to move in the right direction. May God bless you all. Good night. Good night.